Welcome back to the Red Pill TQ podcast at salesborgs.ai. I am Justin Michael. I am 49% human. Um, downloading the Neuralink chip in 2016, courtesy of Elon Musk, I have uploaded all human knowledge to my brain. And uh, today I have Rob Turley, who is the co-founder and CEO of White Rabbit Intel. And uh, he has an amazing podcast called Down the Rabbit Hole. He also is a 165 TQ winner, a genius at TQ. And uh, remember, the test is directional. So he actually kind of answered all the questions multiple ways. It's pretty awesome. How are you today, Rob? Fantastic. And how can you not answer multiple ways? Because there's way more than one way that something could be correct. Love it. Yeah. So you had one of the most accurate tests, which was awesome. So the question is, how did you get so good at, at RevOps and understanding blended tech stacks? Uh, so it's a good question. I mean, I just catch on to things quickly. Uh, I'm good at learning technology. I mean, I could just, if you hand me something brand new, I'll have, I'll know it inside and out and probably everything that whoever taught me doesn't even know if someone even taught me in less than an hour, maybe two. Were you one of those kids that had like every Lego set and constructs and you know, Absolutely not. No, no. <laughs> My dad never got me Legos because he said, if I ever step on one of those motherfuckers, you're going out the window. <laughs> Wow. Yeah. I, uh, I like Legos. I built a lot of constructs and, uh, spent a lot of time playing in the Creek and outdoors. My mom was big on that. So a lot right. of imagination. Um, I pretty much played in the mud, man. I played in the mud outside, <laughs> uh, did bike jousting, you know, with like nice. hit the front tire, you flip over the handlebars. It was really painful. I don't know why we did that. Um, and pretty much did like, uh, what do you even call like Creek running where you r- skip across the rocks, like on your feet, try not to fall as fast as possible and race that way. And, uh, uh, pretty, I screwed around with a lot of like video games, stuff like that. And like took uh, apart electronics. So I was really more into hardware than software or anything like that. That's pretty cool. So this show is all about blended tech stacks because most of the literature and resources out there are on single platforms on point solutions. Um, the book that I've written with Tony J Hughes is called TQ initially technology quotient, which is the fusion of of human and machine, sort of the Iron Man Jarvis suit. And you have an amazing, um, it's a psychographic technology. It gets lumped into a category of intent. It's a, it's a mouthful. If you could just kind of describe it for people that are dipping their toe into this, it would be really helpful. Sure. I mean, as far as we know, we're the only psychographic B2B analytics company that's out there. Um, if there's more, you know what, come for it. I'll high five you. That's awesome. But we do get lumped into intent, which upsets me because intent data is not even what you think it is. Because mm. I mean, by definition, intent is a situation with an outcome and the outcome that you desire is the intent that you desire. And for there to be intent, the outcome is guaranteed to happen. So if the outcome that you desired, which is the intent, does not happen, therefore the intent never existed. It's actually impossible to measure mathematically. It doesn't work. It's, it's total nonsense. So we're doing psychographic analytics. Psychographic analytics is looking at people's interests, their values, their morals, their different traits that make them who they are, what they value, what they care about. So it can go all the way from they like Ford trucks to uh, they fight for civil rights and social action to they like spending time with their wife all the way over to um, they believe in economic empowerment, they're capitalists, uh, and uh, they have beliefs, like heavy beliefs in family, heavy beliefs in technology, 
or so on and so forth. So it's really crafting a human for what they are. And the reason this is so effective for selling is because when you're able to identify the patterns within human beings, and I mean really quantify human beings into zeros and ones, you're able to see patterns in there and you can plot it in multi-directional and multi-dimensional matrices to understand how well they're going to fit together. So you're really, what we do is that we turn humans into uh, like waves, vibrations, right? Uh, frequencies. Once you're able to understand their frequencies, we can see how well they will harmonize. And harmony is a successful B2B relationship in this case, a successful relationship built because two humans resonate with one another. But to put it in like English, we look at all of the things you did right and wrong with your sales. We're able to break that down, understand it at the deepest level, uh, implement more data into aggregate data from all over the place, implement that in, see the insight in there, and then devise a mathematically perfect ideal customer persona, precisely who you should be targeting mathematically. And then you will target and uh, generate leads and, and you know uh, crawl LinkedIn or whatever and pull leads from there. Aggregate those lists with far more opportunities uh, based on the ratio of opportunities to garbage, way more opportunities within those lists, usually about 10, 20 X because it's on point. And then you could take any leads that you aggregate, run them through the system and we can accurately and with precision, predict the exact probability of if you will resonate with them or not, meaning if they're an opportunity to sell to and a target, so a priority. And we automatically disqualify about 95% of the unqualified leads before you even speak to them. You could take a list of a thousand leads or uh, you know as many as you want, really. And we'd be able to do that auto-qualify and disqualify and prioritize opportunities in less than five minutes of data processing. That's incredible. You know, I remember you came on the uh, Revenue Garage show and um, you had this data you were calling on and it was extremely accurate. I didn't even hear objections in the folks that you called and you processed your list and it was very unique compared to some of the other contestants. Yep. It's, uh, it's interesting. So I had what, at that point, 60 hours of cold call experience. I'm not, you know, I don't do that. Uh, but I like doing it because it's a lot of fun. You can see adrenaline pumping. Like I get more nervous before a, co a cold call than I do before I'm about to jump out of a plane when I skydive. It it's ridiculous, but it's a lot of fun because I'm an adrenaline junkie. But anyway, it's really, it's different because someone doesn't have to be super talented if, at cold calls. You just have to be yourself, be genuinely curious, ask genuine questions about them, make it about them. But then in the end, if the target is right, you can have a crap cold caller who's still going to get good results because the main issue with sales is that the target is off, which affects everything else. You could be the best seller in the world, but if you're targeting people that are not a good customer, you're not going to close them or sell them or convince them or anything. You may become their friend. They may refer you to somebody, but it's just way off. And that is the main, the main reason why people are so far off because the target is the route to everything else. I mean, when we're training and coaching our salespeople live with you know actual sales meetings and everything, if the target's way off and you're talking to all the wrong people, they're getting coached on how to sell the wrong people. And that skews the entire training. You're learning how to sell the wrong people, which won't buy in the first place, or they have very short longevity and they churn as a customer after six months and the headache that it brings customer success and your engineering or product team or whoever else is actually more expensive than what it's even worth. Yeah. I've been saying this for a long time that the industry is focused on the subject line, the messaging, the template, the rebuttal sheets, the battle cards, and just getting the data to work 
Okay, now we have working emails and calls, but still doesn't mean we're calling the right people at the right time who are in the buying window. It's somewhere 3%, maybe 1.5 in C19. So tell me about, you're building a technology stack two ways. One, you have a constricted budget. Like what's the must have? And then let's say you had an unlimited budget. Walk me through your MacGyver stack and your sort of uh-huh, power stack, you know, Voltron. <laughs> I mean, salespeople, you know, I build a sales tech, but salespeople don't really need that much technology because when you use stuff that is so good at being able to analyze the data and people and everything like that, it makes a lot of the stuff that's out there totally redundant. It's not needed anymore. So I'd say, of course, I would buy my own technology. My company uses my own technology. Of course, a really good CRM from that point it depends on what kind of sales you're doing. If you're doing kind of all over the place where it can be complex or it could be simple. I like HubSpot for that. But if you have very complex sales and long, sa- like, you know, a really long um, sales cycle and all that, I would highly recommend Membrane. It's the best complex sales platform out there, hands down. Um, and no, I do not have partnerships with, with them. You know, it's just, that's just the, the dead set truth. I did a state of the industry uh, research project on CRM and I know pretty much all 746 of them. So I'm pretty well versed in that area. Membrane definitely takes a ticket for that. Uh, when it comes to really simple sales, then pipeline or a pipe drive is perfectly fine. And if you have a team who's not too technologically inclined and you have a, like a SaaS product uh, and a bunch of engineers and you're used to like a Jira ticketing system, all that stuff, uh, at, then or like Atlassian products and all that. I would highly recommend Monday because it makes it very easy. And these guys are brand new. Their IPO is supposed to be on the... Uh, like the announced their IPO is supposed to be on the 8th, I believe. So that's pretty exciting for them. Um, and no, I'm buying shares during the IPO. That's why I'm telling you, buy it, buy it guys. But don't take all of them because I need some. Um, but uh, that's kind of like the thing is that it depends on what your needs are for that tech stack. Anyway, my company, we use HubSpot, right? And then there's Gong. Gong is fantastic because it's analyzing the conversations. But if you want a more affordable version of it, just go with Refract because honestly, it's the same thing. And it has better sales training and coaching tools built in to train the team more effectively than Gong. what Gong has. Although Gong has far superior sentiment analysis, though Refract is still very good. If you want the budget cheap ass one, go with Fireflies. If you're dead broke or you're a startup, get Fireflies. If you're not dead broke or maybe a mid-market, get Refract. If you're an enterprise, get Gong. I mean, it's really just, it, it reflects in the price or what you're trying to do with it. Although if you're enterprise, Refract would be great. If you're really a coaching-driven company for your employees, though I'm still yet to meet a freaking enterprise that actually coaches their employees. <laughs> not going to lie. Um, but then beyond that, it's good to have a nice cadence platform, I think. A lot of people say it's irrelevant, but I do think they're good. Uh, outreach, I personally don't like, but you can kind of mix and match with a lot of stuff. Like for example, if you're doing lead gen and you're using uh, an analytics platform like ours, you don't need all the data that Zoom Info provides. It's just not necessary. It's all erroneous crap. You can get accurate leads from using something like Cognizant. And if you use Cognizant, they actually have a sequencing tool built right into that. So you could generate the leads and inject them directly into the sequence, which is awesome. And why not get both for, for the both of those bangs for the same buck. So you're spending less than Zoom Info. You're getting just as much data. You're getting the behavioral stuff if you're into that type of crap. But I only recommend that stuff for B2C because it's useless for B2B. Uh, so don't waste the money uh, otherwise, you know. 
And uh, then you have your sequencing right there, right? And it does all the analytics on that. And then you could just pull that data straight out of there, run it through our system, find out who the opportunities are, only upload the opportunities into the CRM and then target and sell to them based off of that. Uh, it, it, it's, it's seamless, really. Um, and uh, really, you can make any tech stack work. It's just that you need to know what you're doing. Your team needs to be properly trained. And a lot of these technologies that are out there are the same thing. It just depends on what you like. And it depends on what works, but it's all, it's not about which technology it's about how you make them and uh, enable them to function together, how well they fit and how smooth of a streamlined process it is to ensure that your sales team is enabled, hence sales enablement, and that they can do the best job possible without any friction. So frictionless sales so that they can focus on what matters most that's coaching and revenue generating activities. That's it. So, so let's say you had unlimited budget. What would you do? You're a bigger company. Someone's raised 50 million or hundred million. What do they do to build, you know, a machine, the blended tech stack, Holy grail. Well, if I were to be completely honest with you uh, and excuse my language, but save the fucking money, <laughs> you know, it's not worth, you should be investing somewhere else that can get you there. For example, something that is able to artificial, like artificial intelligence got so advanced, like for example, with like gap in the matrix, they can take all of the information that you have and completely restructure what your brand voice message and output is, as well as manage your advertising so that you are ideal and optimized based off of everything people are talking on the internet to be as appealing as possible to everybody out there. So reducing spend of your advertising by 75% while still like doubling, tripling the output. I mean, when these guys worked with Kia, they were having trouble selling parts and wholesale stuff, stuff like that in the US. They worked with them after the first month, they literally sold out of parts. There were none left. All the warehouses that were full, stacked full forever, totally empty. So it's stuff like that that can really change it, the high budget things. And then also with, with uh, um, a platform like mine, if you have a large sales team, it can get expensive, but then you can use it to its maximum potential. So let's say you had a list of a million potential customers, right? Run that through the White Rabbit Intel system. What's that's gonna, what is that gonna cost you? About $250,000. You've got a multi-million dollar budget, save it on the marketing and advertising and make sure your target's correct because that large budget is no longer needed. You could spend it, on data enabled processes and on training your team so that you can work far more effective and efficiently because it's not about how you can flex the tech or how much tech that you have or what the hell it does. It's about how well it works and how it helps you connect you and your team to people who are ready to buy, period. Where do you think it's going? So there's gonna be massive investment, something like 5 billion. And we've seen it even recently, You know, Gong picking up 250 million, Outreach 200 million, you know, we're going to see, we saw a billion go in to sales tech tools in 2020. By 2023, it should be 5 billion. Um, what should be built? What's exciting? It, does it surprise you that sales tech is kind of following MarTech's narrative arc here of funding rounds? Oh, no, it doesn't surprise me at all. And I don't understand the whole funding thing, because if you want to be a slave to a VC, that's on you. That's your prerogative. But it, that's totally different conversation. But uh, where'd you get the five, uh, the five uh, billion from? Say billion or trillion. It's billion. I just uh, I picked it out of thin air. I thought it was a good round number. No, there was a Aragon Research, this research advisory firm. I saw it on Forbes. So, I mean, one billion was last year, and this stuff's only heating up. So, I think within another couple of years, five billion more. 
it's quite possible. If you look at a thousand oh, yeah. solutions on the Nancy Narden uh, map or the 10 bound 500 solutions just on SDR tech, it's crazy. I mean, if I were to guess, I'd say 7 billion, to be honest with you. Yeah, that makes sense. You have I the mean, stats. I don't. I would just guess 7 billion. That's what it would feel right. If it's 3 billion now. Yeah. And I think some of these companies have to IPO and get acquired. And I think the big marketing clouds have to have an answer because you look at Salesforce, they have high velocity sales. It's sort of a HubSpot competitor. They're going to bolster, they're going to buy data. They're going to make some strategic buys, I think. So what's the future? Where, where is everything going in the next two years, five years? Well, I really hope that these large companies just don't buy out because that's what I'm worried about. These large companies, they're going to get jealous. They can't recreate the technology because as soon as you become enterprise and IPO, you buy innovation. You're no longer innovative. You're blue chip. You don't do anything but maintain. You buy the innovation because you can't create anymore, which is upsetting. And I hope these big market companies that are coming up like White Rabbit Intel, the company that I work for, or like Gap and the Matrix coming up, I really hope that they don't sell out. We won't sell out. We're not IPOing. We're not selling your company that ever. Because our technology could be used literally as a weapon. We don't need another Cambridge Analytica and like mass manipulate people you know, at large. Hell no. And with the technology that's coming out and how it can be used, they need to guard that technology. Do it for the right reasons. The second a company IPOs, it all becomes all about the shareholder's value. And as soon as it becomes about the money like that, all of the ethics and the purpose and the real mission and the values go right out the window because it's all about profitability. That's when they get acquired. That's when a larger company takes over. And that's when the whole thing goes to shit. For example, Salesforce, they buy Slack. Have you ever realized that Slack has never, ever had a single hiccup of an issue, but after it was acquired by Salesforce, it's been down twice. It's had all these problems, and everything like that. It's just enterprises don't treat innovative technology well and leave the innovation to the mid markets, leave them alone. It's going to be better off that way. We're going to progress further that way. And I don't have anything against enterprises. I love enterprises because they, I buy so many products from them. It's just that leave the innovation to the mid market and give them a spot on the pedestal. Don't just take it from them because they can do it better than you. That's really interesting. Um, Let's see. So we talked about adoption, tech stacks, innovation. Take me through your understanding of sort of machine learning, artificial intelligence, neural, neural nets, natural language processing. These are these terms that just revolve round and round and round. What are the practical applications of this technology? Because there's so much rules-based tech and fake AI. The fake AI, so natural language processing is used for language, of course. That's it. It's audio. It's audio and it's text. And it's to understand languages. That's pretty straightforward, pretty simple. You know, when you say, hey, Siri, do this. That's natural language processing. When you talk, to tw when you talk on the phone and Twilio records it and it creates the, the transcription, congratulations, NLP. Um, the, the hard part is the syntax and the contextual to be able to understand the sentiment, but you really need audio for that. You can't measure sentiment out of text, really. And that's why people miscommunicate with text messages and get mad at each other for no reason. But that's a whole different story. On the other hand, the stuff like uh, boosted trees, deep learning, machine learning, as well as uh, neural nets, uh, those are really what's going to take us to the next level. And what you're asking is that what, how does it apply? It depends on what you build it for and what the math is doing. You can apply artificial intelligence to anything. It's all up to whatever the person who built it and however good the mathematician was for the purpose of what it was built for and how it's calculating, analyzing, and processing the data. It could do anything that you need it to 
or it could do as it does to accomplish something that you can't do yourself. For example, the stuff that we built, it's all unstructured, unsupervised machine learning that feeds into deep learning, that feeds into a neural net. But the thing is, is that no human can make that calculation. Uh, with, with supervised machine learning, the rules are set. This is the outcome that we want, and that's what it's supposed to do. So it just replicates a process. Think of like a distribution line. All, not a distribution line, but a uh, manufacturing line. It does this, then that, then that, then that, then that outcome. Perfect every time. Perfect every time. That really is what supervised machine learning is, and it's extremely limited. It's when we start delving into the unstructured, unsupervised machine learning is when the AI is able to come to its own um, uh, resolutions to things, do its own logic, create its own micro algorithms where it could start creating and, and finding pathways and patterns that humans would never think of because it's beyond human comprehension. What the, the supervised machine learning is the stuff that is going to, that, that's the really, you know, uh, kindergarten stuff. That's what everybody builds. And it's not really all that great. And you say that there's fake AI out there. Yes, there is. It's all over the place. It's a freaking plague. My greatest competitor as a company is fake artificial intelligence making us all look fucking bad. Really? That's my greatest competitor. Otherwise, my competitors only adjacent competitors. Nobody does what we do. Uh, but that's, you know, the, the fake ones out there, all they're really doing, they build some algorithm that's a simple statistical regression algorithm. And they say, we have AI when it's, and that's total bullshit. It's, I mean, it's, it's kindergartens. I know a 12 year old who can build one of those. Uh, really? Uh, and then they have the other stuff out there, like bots, where it's like, oh, it's our AI bot. It's called like Zoe or something like that. Uh, no, it's just a database with a string of answers that recognizes certain words that just spits out automated replies that you program into it. In, in what form of anything is that artificial intelligence? Real AI you can set rules to it, but if you don't set rules to it, it is able to do limitless things and it will be able to discover things that we couldn't even dream of doing. Uh, I mean, the stuff that we built, nobody, one of our biggest pain points, for example, is skepticism. They just don't believe it's possible, but it is once you get into the quantum mechanics area of things. That's when things start getting weird. You take time out of the equation because time was invented by humans to help us keep track or have a, a sad excuse of a constant of something. Time is literally the vibrate mechanical time. It's how many time it's like 128,000 vibrations of a quartz rock, quartz mineral rock or something when it's electrocuted. Like what the hell is even is that? Um, and uh, <laughs> honestly, what is that? That's what we, oh yeah. What time of the day is it? They're going based off of that. Okay. Uh, God, it's good for organizing, but once you drop that barrier, that's when you could start getting weird. Let's talk about that. They talk, they talk about sales development reps going away. And uh, SDRE has been around maybe 20 years, uh, predictable revenue. Will we get to the level of automation where no one's making cold calls or sending emails or doing social because it's all fully autonomous and automated? Well, I do not think that's going to happen anytime soon. We're probably all going to be dead by the time that happens because we're going to end up killing ourselves. But um, yeah, I know. Great. Right. And then Elon Musk can be chilling on Mars. Just like I told you, like, <laughs> right. <clears throat> anyway, uh, I don't think that's going to happen because as long as businesses are run by people, human beings, people buy from people that they like, trust, and can relate to. That is a fact period. Humans think based off of emotions. And until we can erase emotions, there's no reason for an automated thing like that. It doesn't make any sense to do so. The reason the, the problem behind it is that um, automation doesn't have any form of emotion and we are so far from allowing it to have emotion. And if we built emotion into it, we're going to have another matrix and it's going to be a huge disaster.
Is that why you called it White Rabbit? I mean, this is the TQ Red Pill podcast. So, of course, the red pill is when you want to go down the rabbit hole and uh, find out where it goes. And that's your podcast also. So we're obviously on the same level. But why did you call it uh, White Rabbit Intel? I called it White Rabbit Intel because if you follow the White Rabbit down the rabbit hole, you'll see the world for what it really is. The whole world really is already controlled by AI. Everything you use Facebook, anything that you use, there's an AI processor, a really basic one behind it, really making sure that the lights run and putting the, like the fires aren't are put out. But like what you said with the SDR thing, I want to go back on that for a second is that SDRs are such a key piece. I think that they're really just going to have to evolve into full cycle sales. Once we perfect the sales process and we understand and we're able to analyze people like we're starting to do as a company so that people can connect with people who want to do business with one another, it's that human connection is that is what sells. So I think that SDRs are going to evolve into full cycle sales because there's no reason to pass them all around because it's not a numbers game with a shitload of volume talking to all the wrong people. Once you cut that out, we don't need as many salespeople. We're going to need maybe, you know, you know, the 20, 80 rule. Uh, we're going to keep the top 20 and then the other 80 are just going to drop off because there's, they're not needed anymore because there's no reason to have a thousand conversations to make one sale. You're going to have five conversations to make one sale. So why do you need that many? That makes a lot of sense to me. Quality over quantity. So is the organization of the future though, are the reps more technical? Are they more like engineers or data scientists? I mean, what starts to happen with the way that organizations are constructed, the way that specialization occurs? There's got to be a better model. It's like kind of like the QWERTY keyboard. There's all sorts of better, more ergonomic models, yet we all just use QWERTY. I mean, I feel like SDRAE is that keyboard. Yeah. Oh, so, well, SDRAE definitely is that keyboard uh, because honestly, every time little little known i forget where i read this so don't ask me the damn source just look it up but every time a person gets passed from one person to another sdr to ae to account manager every pass that happens you lose a 10 percent probability of that person closing and you're losing the most important thing the original point of contact that's where the relationship started why do people talk to you as a salesperson because they want to do business with you not some random guy named Frank that it, you introduced them to two weeks later that says, okay, yeah, tell me everything that's going on. Let's get this started. Nobody wants that. You feel like you're passed around like a used napkin. It's gross. Nobody wants that. Um, so it's good to hold their hand. And when you're, when you're saying uh, people becoming far more proficient when they're selling, the future of selling is solution selling, not selling a solution or helping people solve, a, uh, solve something with a solution. It's helping people solve problems and presenting the right solution to help them with that as you are solutioning with them. It's consultative. And it really, they have the term sales engineer, but that's such a bullshit term. I know engineers, they're not engineers. That just stop calling them that. They're called, honestly, solutions architects, I think are gonna be great salespeople. Uh, people who are solution sellers will be great salespeople. And people who, it's, it's not just technologically adept to be able to sell because you don't need to know a single thing about technology to sell technology. Not a damn thing. You just need to know what the product is that you're selling and what the outcomes are. So I don't think that technologic, technological proficiency is really going to be it. It's going to be common sense, competence, the ability to solve a problem in critical think, and executive presence, which leads to confidence and skill that is refined 
so that they can work through the whole thing and people who are highly emotionally intelligent to be able to understand and to be able to drive a conversation into an actual relationship. The goal is to become their best friend and have them trust you with their life. And if you can help them solve all their problems and they trust you and they're friends with you, you're unstoppable. That person will always do business. If you left that company for a competitor, they would follow you there. They don't give a shit about the company. So we're getting down to the top of the half hour here. What do people do to become more proficient at their technology quotient, the acumen you talked about? You know, how can people get on this Rob Turley journey toward 165 TQ? Just learn as much as you humanly can. And when you think it's enough, it's not enough. Everything is changing. You have to embrace change. You have to thrive and roll with the change. You have to embrace it. You make it, you know, it changes your wife, your wife that you never wanted, but guess what? You're stuck with her forever and you have to learn to love her. So really, I mean, that's what it is. And it's, it's just, instead of telling yourself, I can't, oh, I don't know how to do that. Oh, I only know how to do this. You are self-limiting. That is a poor self image, a poor self-esteem. And uh, it, it, you're not acknowledging how powerful you are. You can do anything. You, the only limit that limits you is yourself. That's it. It's a mindset thing. There are two truths in this world. I tell so many people this. There are two truths in this world. There's a can and I can't. They're both synonymously true, but the one that you choose to believe is true to you. So if you say you can't, you never will. If you say you can, you will, and you'll find a way to do it. You'll get there eventually. Don't worry about the how, because the how is a delta. A delta in the math world means change. It's a variable. It's constantly changing. It's the delta. If you worry about the how, you can't predict what's going to happen next. No, no, you can still, you could, you could, you could predict with technology and, and be pretty accurate with it. But as a human being, you don't know what's going to happen next. Don't worry about that because the how is constantly changing. You hit different hurdles, things change around. If you are worshiping the how, you're going to be disappointed every day for your entire life. And it's going to keep you on the, keep you down underneath everybody else. So you could be one of the sheeple with everybody else. It's not about the how it's about X to Y when. That's it. That's amazing. Um, I was gonna ask you, I mean, isn't, I feel like the most powerful AI is still the human brain. Like if you string all the computing power together, it's still the human brain, but there's things like Kai-Fu Lee, uh, Chinese futurist. He talks about how like empathy and love and creativity, these things are fundamentally hard. Like there's AI now making nursery rhymes and painting art and recipes. There's a sterility to it, a strange uh, tone and texture to it. It's not quite human. Um, I'd love to just end this episode with your favorite quote, maybe. And uh, how can people leverage their own superpower of their AI, of their, of their brain? Well, my favorite quote, that's a hard one because I don't have favorites because it's an unnecessary bias. So you don't enjoy things as much as others. Uh, I, you know how many dates I've completely just lost? It just, they were done the second they heard that. What's your favorite food? Uh, I don't have favorites because that's a bias that I don't need because it limits me from trying other food and enjoying it as much. Um, so when I say I don't have a favorite quote um, by any means, and you know what, I'll give you a couple later because I can't think of one off the bat because there's a lot of them in my head. Um, but what was your second half of that question? I forgot. I'm sorry, man. Yeah. Then I just asked about artificial intelligence because if the greatest artificial intelligence is your own brain, how can you leverage it more? How can you well, increase say, your intelligence? I would say it's organic intelligence, which is why it's superior at the moment. But the thing is that leverage it any way that you can. And it's, it's brain power is everything because all of your emotions, it's a chemical release in your brain. 
That's it. You have control over that, but you need to look in to be able to see out and control. You cannot control your environment. You can only command it to do so. Control is an illusion. It's a fallacy. The only thing that you can control is yourself. And the only thing that nobody can touch or mend or affect in any way is your own mind. So hold it dearly and you can control it. If you're feeling mad, if you're feeling sad, you can turn it off. I know I sound like a robot. I kind of am. That's why I'm a sales Borg. I'm only 49% human like Justin over here, but you do have full control over your emotions. And if you don't, or if you think you don't, you just need to tell yourself that you do. And it takes training and time to understand that in a lot of meditation, but you can literally shut it off. I don't want to be mad because it's a weak emotion and it makes me illogical. So choose not to be angry. You can, once you have control over your emotions, that's when it, you're breaking the barrier right there. And you have just entered a limitless area. The best people and the best entrepreneurs, the most powerful people in the world who have lived, the most impressive, all have this ability to be able to control their own emotions and be able to put the greater good in front of their own desires. And their own desires are what drive them, but they can make those desires for the greater good. Um, so I would say that learning to control yourself is key to the equation. Don't let things affect you personally. Just let it be. You can't control your environment. You can't control the way people think of you. It is what it is, but you can command it to do as you please. Awesome. It's a little meta, but like, yeah. it's a really good piece of advice. We, we love to go meta on the red pill, uh, being that we might be living in a mass hallucination. Who knows? Rob Turley from White Rabbit Intel. Thank you for coming on to the salesborgs.ai red pill TQ podcast. I'm Justin Michael, Salesborg One, over and out.